Now, I am a cognitive psychologist, so I did what we do best. I spent the next three years obsessively researching the answer to that question. And what I discovered is that so much of the reason you're not doing what you say you want to do is in your That's Amanda Kroll, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Hello, and welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. So we are wrapping up this week's episodes with a new featured speaker, Amanda Kroll. And if you or someone you know struggles with following through on the things that you want to do, then I suggest you listen to today's episode because... Amanda's here to break down the three most important reasons why that is. Here's Amanda Kroll. Enjoy. Now, I am a cognitive psychologist, so I did what we do best. I spent the next three years obsessively researching the answer to that question. And what I discovered is that so much of the reason you're not doing what you say you want to do is in your mind. In fact, I found that there are three powerful mindset blocks that are keeping you locked in a cycle of defensive failure. And if any one of these is in play, your brain defends you against real failure, which is where you do it, but you do it really bad, by redirecting you and distracting you, and you never make any progress. So let's talk about each one. The first reason that you're locked in a cycle of defensive failure is that you think somewhere in your heart that you can't do it. You think that some people have the talent or the genetics to do this thing, and specifically, you don't. The second reason that you're locked in this cycle of defensive failure is that you think people like you don't do things like this. And this one comes down to your identity. And we care a lot about our identities, don't we? And part of the reason you care so much about your identity is because it was hard won. So let's talk about how you form an identity. Now, looking around this room, it looks like everybody has successfully made it out of adolescence. Is that true? This guy back here is like, uh, define successfully. So here's what happens in adolescence. You had an identity before adolescence, but you basically absorbed it from the people around you, right? Like mom says, I'm creative, all right. Dad says that I'm an athletic person. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. But that switches in adolescence. You begin to start asking really hard questions about who you are, and you do it socially. So you ask yourself, am I like this person? Am I like you? Am I like you? Am I like you? And you take on a little piece of their identity and you see how it feels. So you might take on like lying to your parents and skipping school, or you might try on some really thick black eyeliner and dye your hair jet black, shut your door and play the emo music on repeat in your room. You take on bits and pieces of the 
people around you. And in so doing, you do what Eric Erickson refers to as identity fracturing. It's really uncomfortable. It creates a lot of friction in your mind because you don't know who you are. But the good news is that eventually, sometime around your junior or senior year in high school, you begin to release the pieces of your identity that are not serving you. Maybe you stop hanging out with the kids who are skipping school. Maybe you decide, you know what, I don't like football and I'm not gonna hang out with the football team anymore. Each piece of that identity that you let go of comes at a loss to you. Those friends that you were hanging out with and skipping school that may have mattered a lot to you, you might feel like a real traitor. The football team that you stopped hanging out with, that might lose credibility for you at your high school. And that process of what Eric Erickson refers to as identity cohesion is very difficult, but it does result in an identity, a belief about who you really are. And that matters to you a lot. And you will do nothing that threatens that identity. Now, I see some of you out there saying, like, this is all very interesting, but what does it have to do with following through on my goals? Well, when I first became a coach, I struggled a lot to get clients because I consider myself to be a heart-centered helper type. And now being promoting myself and selling my services, it felt really inauthentic and pushy. Am I going to do something that feels inauthentic and pushy? No, never. And that's how you get locked in a cycle of defensive failure. So you say, I'm going to go to a networking event, one each week this month. Then the day comes for the networking event, and your brain's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. That threatens our identity. And anyways, Amanda, you're so tired. You've been so busy. You should really take care of you. And before you know it, the networking event is happening somewhere, but you're not there. You're at home on the couch in your stretchy pants, knee-deep into the 13th episode of the first season of Friends. Again. Now, no judgment, we have all been there. But it does explain why you're not making any progress. So if this sounds like you, if this might be a mindset block that you're struggling with, what you have to do is find people like you doing things like this, and you have to share your concerns with them. For me, I had to find a heart-centered helper type who was great at promoting her business and learn from her how I could bring these things in line. And if you can find a way to bring the thing you want to do in line with your identity, you'll find going to the networking event much, much easier. The third reason that you're locked in a cycle of defensive failure is that secretly you don't want to do it. You just think you should want to do it. Basically, you value it for the wrong reasons. Now, there are two ways that you can value things. On the one hand, you can value them for what we refer to as intrinsic reasons, reasons that come from inside of you, interest, curiosity, or you've drawn a straight, bright line from the thing you want to do up to your long-term hopes and dreams. But you can also value things for reasons that are outside of you, extrinsic reasons like all the cool people do it, or my mom would be proud, or boy, would I like to be admired. Now, let's just say for a second, for the sake of an example, that you have said, I really got to stick to a budget. And you know, the thing I do the most, 
that's costing me the most money is I buy my lunch every single day at work. So you decide, I'm not doing that anymore, I'm taking my lunch. So one day, you're halfway through your commute and you realize that your lunch is sitting on the kitchen counter right next to your cell phone. Now that is a hard day. You got nothing to eat and no candy crush. What are you gonna do? So you're talking to your coworker, you're like, I'm having a hard day. And she says, don't even worry about it. We're gonna take it as a sign from the universe. We're gonna go out and have a real lunch. It's gonna be awesome. So you have two options. You can go with your friend and have a real lunch, spend $25 on a sandwich, or you can go to the vending machine and get a crappy two-hour power bar, $2 power bar. What are you going to do? Well, it depends on why you're trying to stick to a budget. If you're trying to stick to a budget because you just got engaged and you're trying to buy a house and you have these dreams of your children sitting next to a crackling fire on Christmas Eve, then you will go to the vending machine. But if you're trying to save money because wealthy people are admired and yeah, it would be cool to be admired, that's not enough. It's not enough to counterbalance the urge, the desire in the moment to go to a restaurant with your friend. And this works for anything that you're struggling with. If the work you want to do is hard, there will be urges in the moment to quit. And it is intrinsic interest that keeps you focused on the steps you need to take and not those urges of the moment to go with your friend to the restaurant. So if this sounds like you, if this sounds like something you might be struggling with, you have to build out the intrinsic interest. You have to find a way to be interested or curious about what it is you want to do. You have to read the blogs, you have to look at the magazines. And if you cannot, if there is nothing of interest to you, for example, about taxes, then you must draw the bright line between the thing you wanna do and your long-term hopes and dreams. And when the moment comes that you wanna get out, give up, you have to take that piece of paper out of your pocket and read it to yourself so that you ground back into your intrinsic interest. Now, if you have even one of these in place, you will struggle to make progress on your goal. But if you've struggled with something your whole life, it's likely that all three are at play. Now, I do not want you to think that I'm up here saying, get your mindsets in order and you'll be a raging overnight success because that's not how it works. But what you do get to do is trade that cycle of defensive failure for action-driven, insight-filled, productive failure. Failure where you do it wrong, but then you get a little better and then you do it better over time until suddenly you're doing what you never thought was possible. Big thanks to Amanda for stopping by. Check out her website at amandacroll.com. Her Instagram is aj underscore kroll. And if you want to check out the entire talk, you can go to YouTube and search for three reasons you aren't doing what you say you will do. It's uh, TEDx Harrisburg. All right. That's a wrap for me. When you get a chance, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show on Spotify or share it with anyone that you think that it can help. 
All right. I hope you have an amazing weekend and I will see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.